At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. What's going on, everybody? And welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show right here inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Of course, I am Fansided National NFL Insider Matt Lombardo. Great to have you here. And what a week the NFL has had. The National Football League has effectively had an entire offseason through the course of just the last five days. And I was thinking about this on Friday morning when I woke up. One of my first thoughts was, and again, it's just crazy that my mind is wired this way, but Tom Brady announced he was returning from the NFL on Sunday night. And five days later, we have all kinds of movement across the NFL. A blockbuster trade happening Thursday night. The NFL completely changing the way that it values the wide receiver position, and another quarterback on the cusp of making the biggest news of the offseason so far. That, of course, is Deshaun Watson and his decision. We're going to get into all of that and a whole lot more. We're going to chat with Shaquem Griffin a little bit later on in the podcast as well, get his thoughts on all of the biggest stories in the NFL, his inspirational journey to the National Football League, and what might be next for him And we'll talk about, of course, how can we not talk about the wild, wild AFC West. But before we get into all of that, just a little bit of housekeeping. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you went into the Apple Podcast Store, SoundCloud, Spreaker, throw a like on YouTube to fan-sided Stacking the Box podcast. You get two great NFL podcasts for the price of none. You get Matt Verderam and Mark Carmen every Tuesday. And on Fridays, you get the Matt Lombardo Show in your podcast. And if you love the Matt Lombardo Show, if you love the interviews, if you enjoy the insight, if you enjoy my opinions, if you're a fan of my work, I'd love it if you did two things for me. One, follow me on Twitter, please, at Matt Lombardo NFL, and leave a five-star review in the Apple Podcast Store for Stacking the Box mentioning the Matt Lombardo Show. It really helps grow the show, get it out there, and if there's something you like about the podcast throw it in the review if there's a guest you'd like to hear from write them down i'll go and try to get them on the pod in coming weeks but i want to get right into it and i want to get right into everything that's happening with deshaun watson because of course everything changed last week when a harris county texas grand jury 
found that they were not going to press criminal charges against Deshaun Watson from his 22 allegations, credible allegations of sexual assault and harassment and misconduct. And that basically has thrown the market wide open. And Watson has been in very much control of this market from Jump Street. And as we're recording this on Friday afternoon, it seems two clear favorites have emerged. And both would be really fascinating situations, not only because they're in the NFC and you look at the quarterback landscape across that conference, it's really Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and maybe Dak Prescott in terms of teams that are capable of leading their teams to a Super Bowl this year in terms of quarterbacks who you would think about putting in the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. Deshaun Watson would certainly change the conversation and he would certainly change the conversation in the NFC South, which is where these two favorites reside. They, of course, are the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. Both would be tremendous fits. Both offer a lot of reason for Deshaun Watson to want to go there for various reasons. And we'll just start with Atlanta, who I think might wind up being the front runner here because they have an asset that other teams are going to be coveting. If you look around the landscape of the quarterback market in the NFL right now, after Carson Wentz goes to the Washington Commanders, after Russell Wilson gets traded to the Denver Broncos, after Tom Brady returns to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Aaron Rodgers stays put in Green Bay, the only real palatable quarterback with upside who's going to be available for teams looking for a veteran quarterback is Jimmy Garoppolo. But Matt Ryan offers you a guy who's a multi-time All-Pro, offers you a guy who's been to a Super Bowl, and as I spoke with an executive on Thursday night, teams that have a roster that are ready to compete can drop Matt Ryan into that situation and have a lot of upside. I'm looking at the Cleveland Browns here, who were very much in the mix for Deshaun Watson until Watson decided he would not waive his no trade to go to the Browns. I'm looking at the Indianapolis Colts, who have a lot of young talent at wide receiver, a ferocious defense with talented playmakers at all three levels, arguably the best running back in the league in Jonathan Taylor, and arguably the best offensive line. The Colts would make a lot of sense for Matt Ryan if he's dealt there. The Seattle Seahawks certainly are not moving ahead with Drew Locke as their long-term solution. The Seahawks would make some sense because they now have the cap space to absorb Matt Ryan's contract. And they have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and a decent offensive line that they've bolstered a little bit in free agency with the draft picks to trade for Matt Ryan or move up and get an offensive lineman. So that's where I think, if you're looking at dominoes to start falling, I don't think that it's a coincidence that the Falcons have moved the money and the vesting period for Matt Ryan's contract from Friday until Monday to give them some flexibility to get involved in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. And here's why I think and why an NFL executive told me he believes the Falcons have been the best fit overall. Number one, he's from Georgia. So you look at the fan bases around the league who might be receptive to the idea of Deshaun Watson coming to their franchise. I think those are a little bit more limited. I mean, I have friends who are Eagles fans who tell me that they would flat out boycott the Eagles if Deshaun Watson went to Philadelphia because of everything that happened off the field. I think that Cleveland was going to be a little bit of a tough sell, even with Baker Mayfield, who I think, by the way, who would be a hot commodity on the trade market as well. But in addition... This executive told me that the Falcons make a lot of sense because they have Kyle Pitts, they have a little bit of cap space, and in that division, it's basically wide open. The 
Carolina Panthers are stuck in the mud at quarterback, and there's no way to believe that they're going to move ahead with Sam Darnold as their long-term solution. Tampa Bay looks like they aren't going to skip a beat with Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's 44 years old. Is he going to play for more than two years? If you have Deshaun Watson for a multi-year contract, and you can continue building around him with young players and a supportive hometown of Deshaun Watson, it could be a really nice landing spot. But on the other hand, on the other hand, speaking with an AFC coach, he told me, look out for the Saints. Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, they hired the defensive coordinator to be their head coach. They aren't changing the offensive system. That the Saints, with all of that firepower, all of those weapons, and a scheme that really maximizes what Deshaun Watson does best, that that could be a great landing spot as well. And I think you can make the same arguments, maybe even stronger arguments for the New Orleans Saints in terms of being able to compete for the NFC South. I think they're a better roster overall right now than the Atlanta Falcons. I think they have more playmakers overall than the Falcons. And you think about the, a the NFC South, they're probably best positioned to take on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers if Deshaun Watson is their quarterback. But either one of these teams, it helps the Texans to get him out of the AFC. It certainly elevates both of their chances to win the NFC and make a run at the Super Bowl because by default there just isn't strong quarterback play on that side of the bracket anymore. You look at the Rams, you lose Von Miller. I think that's going to be a pretty big loss for their pass rush. So Deshaun Watson would really change everything in the NFC South and the NFC, and I would think that either one of those teams or immediately in the conversation for at least a wild card berth, and maybe more than that. But if you want to talk about the teams that have improved the most over the course of this week, if you want to talk about the teams that have made the biggest leaps in terms of their chances of winning a Super Bowl this year, I'm looking at the AFC West. And not only is it the wild, wild AFC West, but I would, if I were the NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, I would consider changing the name of the AFC West division to the All-Pro Division, because you think of everything that's happened just since the Broncos went out and traded for Russell Wilson, you look at what the Los Angeles Chargers have done. They go out and they get Khalil Mack. You look at what the Raiders have done. They make moves by signing Chandler Jones to pair opposite of Max Crosby, who had eight sacks a year ago. You're going to pair him now opposite of Chandler Jones, who had 10 and a half sacks last year and had double-digit sacks in five of his last six healthy seasons. That's one of the more formidable pass rush duos in the NFL. And then the Raiders go out and make one of the biggest moves of the offseason so far. And they trade a first and second round pick to the Green Bay Packers for Devontae Adams. And they sign him up to a $141 million deal to keep him happy and reunite him with his college quarterback, Derek Carr. Now, I don't know that the Raiders are in a position right now to win the AFC West with all of the firepower there. But I really don't think it's out of the question that they make the playoffs for a second straight year. But you just look at the AFC West overall. And yes, the Raiders got better. But so did the Chargers, who bring in J.C. Jackson, then all-pro cornerback who has the potential to be one of the top five players at the position, now playing in a division with Patrick Mahomes and with Russell Wilson and with Derek Carr. They trade for Khalil Mack. You look at what the Broncos did, obviously going up and getting Russell Wilson. All of these teams, if you threw them all in a hat and you said that they, three of them are going to be the Super Bowl favorites out of the AFC, I'd believe you. They've made those kind of moves. They all got that much better. And if I'm looking at the AFC West right now, 
I think there's a really good chance the Chiefs wind up second or third in that division. They kind of sputtered out of the shoe through the first 10 weeks a year ago. It took them a while to get right. Patrick Mahomes was wildly inconsistent. And you just look at the talent that's now landed in that division. You look at what the Broncos did at quarterback with all of the playmakers they have on defense. You look at what the Chargers are doing, and rightfully so, building around Justin Herbert, who they know their time is now with Justin Herbert on his rookie contract. And you look at what the Raiders are doing, it's an arms race in the AFC West. And all three of those teams, I don't know the Broncos are on that level quite yet, but all three of those teams deserve to be in the Super Bowl conversation. And I think it's going to make for some of the more fascinating division matchups that we've seen in the NFL in quite some time. And it wouldn't shock me if ESPN's Monday Night Football schedule is just AFC West matchup after AFC West matchup after AFC West matchup. But if I'm looking at free agency and who's the biggest winner coming out of this week, it has to be the Raiders. I'd have to believe that the Raiders have helped themselves the most, have added the most to their win total in 2022 than anybody else in the AFC West. When you talk about adding the best wide receiver in the NFL, Devontae Adams, he's now in an offense with Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs with Derek Carr. Derek Carr has to be the happiest man in the NFL after this week. You look at what they have on defense now with Max Crosby and with Chandler Jones, they've gotten better on both sides of the ball. And that's a team that could make a major leap next season. I can't wait to see all of it play out. I can't wait to see what this offseason has in store for us next. On the other side, we'll chat with Shaquem Griffin, get his thoughts on his free agency, the biggest stories in the NFL today, and his journey to the National Football League. Keep it locked right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, right here inside Fansided Stack in the Box podcast feed. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Welcome back in. And this next conversation is going to be a real treat. We're joined by the NFL linebacker, former Seattle Seahawks and Miami Dolphins, Shaquem Griffin. Shaquem is brought to us by City as part of its hashtag, Stare at Greatness campaign. Shaquem, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Uh, thanks for having me again, man. Uh, I'm glad to be a part of the podcast, glad to be part of the show. Thanks for letting me join. Of course, really appreciate you taking a few minutes with us, and certainly it's a conversation I've been looking for for quite some time. Um, and I know you're asked about this in every interview, and I know it's a huge part of your story as a player and a person, but losing your hand, especially at such a young age, it's made you such an inspiration for so many people. But I'm also kind of curious, as your NFL career got going, did it ever kind of have a shadow? And maybe was there any time where you thought, I wish that this wasn't the focus? Um, no, I, I, I would never say uh, I wish it wasn't a focus. Um, you know, being a part of, uh, you know, Team City, you know, it, it talks about, you know, stay at my greatness and stay at my greatness. Uh, it, it launched last summer, you know, last summer games and for, for it to to be able to represent something that's big to me and is being able to have somebody look at me and know that I am bigger than what you think. And and to go further, I just remember, uh, I'll tell you a story. Uh, I remember I was getting ready for the bench press before the uh, before the combine and everybody asking me, man, what, what you think you can do? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give everything I got. And everybody was already putting a, a perception in their head, well, I don't think he can better do that much. 
And 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 to me, it's just like, okay, why people think that? And it's like, I have to show you what I actually can do. And that's what a part of this is. I want you to stare at me. I want you to see what I can do. And I'm going to show you what I can. And it doesn't matter what you what, what you perceive or what you think about my abilities or what, or what I can do. I'll just go out there and show you. And for me to be able to go out in that bench press and everybody thought I was going to put up three or four or five and I end up pushing 20 and kind of showed the world like, man, this 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 guy is absolutely amazing. He wasn't worrying about the, the negative aspects of what people may think of me. It's just me going out there being the best me at that moment and giving everything I got and now the world can see it. Absolutely. And that, those 20 reps on the bench, that was one of the more memorable combine performances, maybe in the history <laughs> of the combine. How much of that conversation from people on the outside, how much did that really motivate you to not only prove the doubters wrong, but maybe even prove it to yourself. Okay, I can go out and I can do this. Oh man, it was it was it was definitely a a, a confidence builder because you know after that bench press, that's when that's when I really felt the stare at greatness moment. Um, I just remember I only had like maybe 10 k followers, and I remember literally right after the bench press, I just remember my phone freezing and turning on and off. I'm like, what is going on? And like the next morning, it was like at four hundred thousand. It was like that was the that was the defining moment of people actually. I'm going to see this. I'm going to watch them more. I'm going to see this through. And at the point of time, I was still young. I didn't know what I was actually bringing to the table. And for everybody to start seeing and start commenting and start asking questions like, "Where does God come from?" It kind of showed so much about you know the player I was becoming and who I was and the, the impact that I was making um, on people. And it, I can tell you that it was a very big one. No doubt about it. And, you know, you think about your story growing up, too. It wasn't just you in that household. You had your brother, Shaquille, who was a dominant player in his own right. What was that like for you guys growing up? What was the competitive nature between you, those two of you and, you know, your parents, of course, <laughs> going about, you know, raising two NFL stars? And that, that, that's certainly you don't see that very often. Of course, there's the Venus and Serena Williams parallel yes. for you guys. What was that like growing up? Uh, it was it was it was it was good. I mean, <laughs> very competitive. <laughs> um, I, I mean, for me, it was I feel like it was a, a surreal experience because you know my mom and dad kind of set a pathway for us to not you know give ourselves limitations and, and you know that's that's such a big thing when you're able to have family members that push you to not feel different from anything or no one else and not allow you to make excuses for yourself. It definitely made it a competitive household. Um, uh, just to give you guys another story, I just remember me and my brother just walking to school and we just uh, used to count our steps and everything is competitive. Who can take the less steps and get to school faster or who can eat the most? I used to eat my plate and try to eat my dad's plate before my brother gets done just to get that competitive nature. And I feel like throughout our family and our household, it's always that competitive nature that allowed me to build more confidence within myself. And like, it doesn't matter how many limbs or what many limbs you're missing or how many I have. It's about my ability to give effort about anything I do and give my best. And they showed me that I can be confident in my best. I can be confident in what I can do. And it's like, I don't have no, no disabilities, not at all. You know, I have abilities, you know, I can do what I can do and I can do it when I want to. And that's the thing. And they taught me that. And I feel like that's something that made my competitive nature so strong today. And you and your brother were both teammates in Seattle for a number of years. You spent three seasons with the Seahawks. Russell Wilson was there. And of course, the biggest news in one of the busiest news weeks in the NFL in years 
saw Russell Wilson getting traded to the Denver Broncos. And I'm just curious, you obviously were teammates with him, saw him in meetings, saw him on game day. One of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL today, right? But I'm just curious from a players and a teammates perspective, what makes Russell Wilson elite? And is there maybe something that happened behind the scenes or in the locker room or on the sideline that maybe fans don't understand or haven't seen from Russell Wilson that make him so special? I mean, I feel like, um, you know, what fans may think but not know is just the discipline that Russell Wilson has. Um, I feel like the dedication he has to the game and what defines him to be so good. You know, it's the extraness that he does to make sure that he's, you know, well prepared, you know, um, knowing what's going on in the game and always working his craft. You know, his ability to do the things that he do is always, it's something where fans have seen it a few times or 16 games out the season or in playoffs, but we see it thousands of times before we even get to the game. So it's just like, it's the same motion, the same thing. And, you know, something that stood out to me when, you know, I was a young, when I was a young pup in the league and watching Russell Wilson was, him without the football, his mechanics, the way that he 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 carry himself when it comes to play in and play off, it was just his mechanics was just so efficient. It's like he didn't need a ball to say I'm gonna throw it here. I just remember he used to take a snap and point at this receiver, point at this check down, talk this out, talk this out. It's no one on the field, it's no one there. And you no, know, and when when it comes to the point where you got somebody who's dedicated to their craft and knowing where they're good at and making making sure that initially they're taking part of me getting better at, at it each and every day, thousands and thousands of reps. When it comes to game day, you only doing it a few times. There's nothing. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that as well, because obviously you're on the defensive side of the ball. How much did it help you as a player going up against a quarterback like a Russell Wilson every single day in practice? Because I got to imagine playing the linebacker position, going up against a guy with such great instincts and field vision and all of those things. I got to imagine in those team reps, that makes you a lot better as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it kind of honestly, it goes back to, you know, being a part with a team with City. You know, alleys that I had was Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, and obviously my uh, twin brother. It was just like, not only was he helping us to set up tone for ourselves and create routines, he was obviously, he, he, was, he literally was on point with making sure that we was building a confidence within ourselves. So it was a rub off on us. Like, the same thing when it goes to Bobby and KJ, when it comes to, you know, obviously I was the first one-handed player that they had received. So <laughs> opposed to, you know, building my confidence within that team, you know, they showed me different ways to do certain things. They showed me how I can be better. They showed me different techniques and different routines to better myself in my game and making sure you're like, okay, well, I'm, I, I usually do this this way with my hand. What you think I should do? You have KJ, you have Rush, you have Bobby, you have all these alleys that I have on my team who's willing to help me to better myself because, we only as good as our we only as good as our other players, and together we make each other together. And I feel like I was blessed to have older vets as alleys to make sure that I was a better player. And you know, you can't really ask more than that. And you know, Seattle and Russ and all those guys is a, is, is, a, is a special place. And this is a huge week across the NFL. It's a big week for you. Free agency is in full swing for media, like people in the media, like myself, for fans. It's kind of a frenzy, right? You have the speculation going in the weeks leading up to free agency getting underway. Deals are flying left and right. You're kind of on the other side of it. As a player, what's that week and that experience like for you with free agency? Are you glued to your phone like the rest of us scrolling through Twitter? Or do you just kind of sit back and let it all kind of handle itself? I mean, for me, as I get older, you know, it's, it's different perspectives as you go. And for me, it's just, you know, it's a sit back and wait, stay ready, 
you know, for you don't have to get ready type of thing. And, you know, like for me is, you know, I'm so involved in so many different things now and being able to now, you know, I'm working with the NFL legends and I'm still actually playing. So like, I'm one of the youngest legends ever <laughs> to be a, a, That's a great. part of the NFL and still to be able to actually play, you know, it brings another uh, contribution to the NFL and being able to put a younger face in front of, you know, young athletes. So, you know, a lot of these legends are 15 to 20 years older. And like now in this generation, a lot of these athletes don't really know some of the legends and now they're trying to put a younger face. So it's so many different ways that I can be a part of the league. So it's like, for me, you know, I obviously I can't speak for everybody, but it, it, it's a less than a different stress for me because I know I can become a legend. I know I can become an NFL ambassador. So it's like in different ways, I'm always going to be a part of the game. But for me, it's just staying focused, you know, stay on top of my game, always working out, always being ready, you know, and I'll be ready for anything. If they want me to go speak for the NFL, I'll be ready. They want me to go play for the NFL, I'll be ready. They want me to go tackle somebody. They want me to get water. I'm ready for anything. The more you can do, the better. I love it. That's the right <laughs> attitude. Versatility is the best ability, right? And, you know, you, you think about it, you, you have a couple great teams. You're on a great team with City. Obviously, a great team in partnership with NFL Legends. What's important to Shaquem Griffin as you look ahead to, you know, all of the free agency, like a free agent destination? What's important to you uh, in, in your next home? Uh, what's important to me is just, just enjoy myself, having fun. Uh, I feel like for me is now that I'm at the point where it's not about know where I land or how much I'm getting paid. It's about the enjoyment of football. Cause obviously you can see a lot of guys up and moving and and, and they were thinking about themselves. They wanna they want to win. They want to enjoy themselves. And honestly, that's what it really all about. It's like we started playing football at a young age because we enjoy you know we we genuinely enjoy and have passion for playing. So it's not about chasing what they saw getting a getting a bag or anything. No, it's it's about enjoyment. I, I want to be around my brother. I want to be around my friends. I know a lot of people that I grew up with he plays in the league, so it's it's strictly enjoyment. You know, I'm a firm believer if, if, you know, if I'm not having fun with it, then I'm done with it. But the thing is, I enjoy it too much to stop, so I'm going to keep going, and my enjoyment is my is my main focus. That's the right attitude. And last year, of course, you played for the Miami Dolphins, a team that finished the season really strong. I'm curious, what are the Steelers getting in Brian Flores as their linebacker coach? Oh, man, they're definitely getting a, a, a guy who's very high energy. And I feel like through all everything that was going on within, you know, Miami, I, I'm actually happy for Flores to be able to finally let his hair down. He don't have any hair, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it gave him a chance to be himself. And I feel like in, in, in a sense, a lot of people don't know in the league is it's like it, it's it's structured to, you know, a lot of people know people and you got the owners who want to have their friends a part of the organization. So it can be a back and forth or sometimes people can bump heads. And I feel like in the situation that what happen when you have head coaches want to bring in their friends or their guys that they're comfortable with, and then they got to meet somebody that they're not known to, you know, it's, it happened all, all the time in the workforce. You know, obviously sometimes you got to work with somebody that you, you might not, you know, enjoy to be around, but it'd be like that sometimes. And I feel like him being, having a, uh, you know, ability to be with the Steelers and be around a program that invites him in and wants him to be there. I feel like it's going to bring a different comfort level from him to kind of let his hair down, like I said, and, and enjoy himself and enjoy coaching these guys. Absolutely. He lands with Mike Tomlin, one of the greatest coaches of this generation, maybe ever. Talk to me about your experience with City Stare Greatness campaign. I know you talked about how important it is to you, but what are some of the, the great things in the work that you guys are doing as part of this campaign? I mean, for us, it's basically just, you know, bringing awareness and trying to bring that uh, the positivity change and perception to for, to those people who feel like 
uh, guys have disabilities and don't really know how to really look at it and be able to, to, to be a part. And now we just trying to push a narrative of you know, positive light opposed to you know everybody just seeing us and not know what we can do. But instead of that, be an ally to us and say, you know what, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I feel like the city represents everything that I talk about, everything that I want to be about. And it's showing who I am and what I am. It's not about how many limbs I have or how many limbs I don't because 50% of the world's population has a, a visible or non-visible, you know, deformity. So it's just like people out there is trying to show you what they can do, but you still stuck on what they can and cannot. It's not about that. It's about, you know, being a positive light. It's about pushing them to be the best them, no matter how many hands or less hands they do have. And I feel like, you know, City is allowing me to be a part of the team and the family to be able to push that even further. And I feel like you have, you have to have a strong team to be able to, to push that positive light. And I'm glad I'll be a part of it. Shakim, this has been a terrific conversation. You're certainly an inspiration and certainly what you're doing with City Group's uh, hashtag stare at greatness campaign is fantastic and inspiring for a lot of people. He's Shakim Griffin. You can follow him on Twitter at Shakim Griffin. Shakim, thanks for taking the time, my friend. Look forward to talking to you further up the road. Uh, thank you so much, Matt, for having me, man. It was a pleasure. I know I say this a lot, but that was really an outstanding, outstanding, and in a lot of ways, inspirational conversation with Shaquem Griffin. Of course, he was brought to us by Cities. Hashtag Stare at Greatness campaign. Be sure to check them out. They're doing great work. And thanks again to Shaquem Griffin. And, you know, one of the storylines in free agency and really the rest of this offseason that's going to be really interesting to watch unfold is what happens with Baker Mayfield. Because after the Cleveland Browns went all in and made a full court press to court Deshaun Watson and then we're told that they're no longer in the running, this is an untenable situation for Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns to move forward from here, especially after Baker tweeted that letter to Cleveland, essentially a goodbye to the fan base. Listen, I think Baker Mayfield has his limitations. I think that the Browns have gone about as far as they can go with Baker Mayfield, but there's no turning back now. I don't know how, if you're the Browns and you've telegraphed basically since the end of this season, that you're, according to conversations around the league, very much at least open to the idea of moving off from Baker Mayfield. At the very least, not looking to move forward and extending Baker Mayfield's contract this is probably about as far as you go with him as the quarterback. And I think when you look around the league, there are a couple situations where Baker Mayfield might be an upgrade. He might be someone who's on the radar of the Indianapolis Colts. He might be somebody that the Seattle Seahawks would kick the tires on. He might be somebody that if the Atlanta Falcons trade Matt Ryan, maybe that's how Atlanta recoups some of the draft capital they're going to need to give up for Deshaun Watson, but here's the really difficult reality both for Baker Mayfield and for the Cleveland Browns. The Browns aren't getting a premium package for Baker Mayfield. The Browns aren't getting a first or a second round pick for Baker Mayfield. The, the market, according to people inside the league, according to executives and agents that I've spoken to, is probably a fourth round pick. Probably not much more than that. And here's the issue for Baker as a quarterback, and this is why I think teams would be a little bit skeptical. You look at the situation that he's had in Cleveland, he's had one of the top five offensive lines in the league for the last two to three years. He has the best running game in football since he's been there, especially when you look at the duo of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That's the best ground game in the league, the best running back duo out there. And for the last couple of years, you had Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, and your ceiling was the AFC Divisional Round once. 
That's where I think the market is depressed on Baker Mayfield. That's where I think the upside on any trade return is limited. And that's why I don't even know, depending on where Baker Mayfield winds up, let's say he goes to Indianapolis, you're looking at a similar situation to what he's leaving behind in Cleveland. Yes, the offensive line is better in Indianapolis. It's the best line in the league easily. Yes, Jonathan Taylor is the best singular running back in the league, you can make an argument. And of course, you have some really good young wide receivers, but you're playing in the AFC. Yes, it's the AFC South, but you're still, if you're the Indianapolis Colts, you're staring up at Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen in some order, not to mention Russell Wilson. I don't know that you're much better off in Indianapolis with Baker Mayfield than you are waiting a year to draft a guy in a much better draft class. If you're the Seattle Seahawks, that's the spot that makes sense. That's the move where if you're looking to upgrade a quarterback in a wide open conference with a legitimate path to a Super Bowl, all you have to do is get by Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, possibly Deshaun Watson, and Matthew Stafford. That's the fit. So if the Browns are moving on and the Seahawks are quarterback shopping, I think the only place that offers much upside for Baker Mayfield is the Seahawks. That would be a team I would watch. On the other side, I want to get into one of the bigger takeaways, in my opinion, of the first week of free agency. Keep it locked right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, inside fan-sided Stack in the Box podcast feed. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back in. And as crazy as this first week of NFL free agency has been, I think the biggest takeaway here is that we've really seen the NFL completely alter how it values the wide receiver position from Christian Kirk, who is a really nice and developing wide receiver with elite game-breaking speed, but who has never really played full-time on the outside, garnering $72 million, including $37 million fully guaranteed, to the $142 million Devontae Adams deal from the Raiders, we're now talking about wide receivers getting top 10 to 15 quarterback money. That's where we are. That's the new wide receiver market, and it's now become apparent that teams across the league view the wide receiver position right up there alongside offensive tackle and cornerback as one of the premium positions when building out a roster. Look, the Jaguars had to do what they did with Kirk. There was no getting around it, and they clearly view him as having plenty more upside than an Allen Robinson or a Juju Smith-Schuster, who were the two top veteran receivers still on the market. But they absolutely positively needed to get some sort of playmaking help around Trevor Lawrence, both in terms of building a roster that they can make a run at a wide open AFC South. But if Lawrence is who they believe he is, way more and way further than that, talking about maybe an upset run to an AFC title game or, dare I say, in a couple of years, even further but also to make up to their franchise QB for all of the turmoil and all of the drama that surrounded last season and the Urban Meyer fiasco. But the move that really shook the NFL, in my opinion, in terms of how the receiver position is going to be viewed and valued, not only through the rest of this offseason, but in coming years when the salary cap balloons and teams have more money to spend, 
is Devontae Adams getting $141 million from the Raiders? Because not only does that change the market for the Smith-Schusters and even the Cole Beasleys of the world who are still out there, but it's now the new normal and the going rate for premier wide receiver talent. I was talking to an agent the other night right after the deal went down with the Green Bay Packers and the Las Vegas Raiders, and he thought Adams should have pushed for $31 million APY, which would have been more than Christian McCaffrey's deal. And he believes that Devontae Adams is a far better player and far more valuable than McCaffrey. And it's hard to argue with that because there's no argument that Devontae Adams isn't the premier wide receiver talent in the league today. And you look at what he's brought to the Packers, he now brings that same upside, at least for the next couple of years, to the Las Vegas Raiders. But I know from league conversations and sources around the NFL that becoming the highest paid wide receiver by APY was really important to Devontae Adams. That was primary target goal number one this offseason. So too was reuniting with Derek Carr. That was important to him as well for, in terms of long-term security, in terms of comfort with his quarterback. And he got all of that with this deal. He got long-term security. He's the highest paid wide receiver in the league. And he chose Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, I got to believe Aaron Rodgers' head is spinning after all of this. Because why would he choose to go back to the Green Bay Packers only to have them trade away his top target and the NFL's best wide receiver within a week of his news? Just fascinating to watch what's going to unfold in Green Bay because they now need to go and get a wide receiver. I wouldn't rule out Beasley landing in Green Bay because to me he fits the profile of a savvy route runner a guy who is a legitimate red zone target and someone who I think could even elevate his game even further with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball but where we go from here is going to be truly fascinating as far as wide receivers go because Joe Banner told me this week in my national column over on fansided.com go check that out if you haven't read it yet all it takes is one or two teams looking at that Christian Kirk deal and using that as the comp for negotiations and now that's going to be the going rate for top receivers all it takes is one or two teams to view that christian kirk deal not as an outlier in joe banner's words not as an asterisk not as a a one-off deal but as the going rate for top receivers and that's now going to set the market and i think that's more likely going to happen than not in 2023 and 2024 when the nfl and teams are flush with an infusion of new cap space, you're going to see teams spending even more at the receiver spot. Just look this week. You look at the Rams giving Allen Robinson $15.5 million. That's a top premier wide receiver deal. He's one of the highest paid at the position now. And $15 million per year, that's mid-level quarterback pay. This is going to be the market for receivers for years to come. But back to the Jaguars for just a second here. Because after what they've done so far this week, they're now in the AFC South's catbird seat, in my opinion. They're the team to beat in the AFC South. They have the best quarterback in the division by far, especially with Deshaun Watson now likely going to the NFC, whether it's in, as we talked about earlier on the pod, the Atlanta Falcons or the New Orleans Saints. But the gap between Trevor Lawrence and Ryan Tannehill is a vast one. Now you add Brandon Scherf up front, a steady dependable offensive guard one of the top players at his position and give the number one overall pick in the draft where you basically have your pick of either Aiden Hutchinson who many believe is going to step in and be a Jared Allen Max Crosby type of pass rusher right away an impact player for your defense 
where you get your pick of the top offensive tackle. Evan Neal, Ikemekwanu, Cross, any of these guys, you're going to have your pick of the top offensive tackle to pair opposite of Cam Robinson, who you tagged to form a bookend of young tackles to protect Trevor Lawrence going forward. So I think the Jaguars with Lawrence, with Doug Peterson, and that brand new supporting cast, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne, I think that's a 10-win team in that division. I think they win at least four of the six division games, maybe even more than that, and they're going to have a last-play schedule on top of it. So I think if you're looking for worst first candidates in the NFL for 2022, you have to zero in on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they're going to be a really exciting, fun team to watch, and more than that, and if this first week of free agency, if this is what it brings, if this is what the offseason is going to be, boy, oh boy, am I excited to see what the NFL and these teams have up their sleeves going forward, especially after the Deshaun Watson domino falls. Because then you have to ask yourself, where does Jimmy Garoppolo land? Is Matt Ryan going to be on the move? Which quarterback needy team is going to be left holding the bag? Which team is going to need to overpay to trade up to get a quarterback in this year's draft who nobody in the league is all that high on? Who's going to be desperate that needs a quarterback that doesn't get one of these veterans when the music stops of the quarterback musical chairs routine? I can't wait to find out. Thanks to Shaquem Griffin for joining the show. Thanks, as always. To producer extraordinaire Cole Thompson, Cole's instrumental in putting this podcast together each and every week. And thanks to you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and review Stacking the Box in the Apple Podcast Store. And if you're a fan of my work, please follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. That's all the time we have. I'll talk to you next week right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.